This podcast is part of the 76ers Podcast Network. Search 76ers Podcast wherever you get your pods. It is time. It is here. It is the big season preview. And there's no more fitting way, perhaps, to get things started than with the big man himself. I just dream about, you know, just having a lot of fun, acting crazy at the parade, and, and then also just being here, starting the family here and being here for a long time and wanting to finish here. That's why I want to make it happen. We go one-on-one with Joel Embiid, chatting about fatherhood, change, and the year ahead. Lauren Rosen is also here, and we'll recap training camp and give a sneak peek at what might be in store for the Sixers. You ask about ceiling, and that's something that I feel like I've asked almost every player on the roster, and they don't feel like there is a ceiling. They feel like this group has everything that it needs to go all the way. They believe in themselves, they believe in the group, and I do think that the start could be really, really good. Plus, important information about how you can help the 76ers help support local businesses throughout the season. I'm Brian Seltzer, and this is the broadcast from the 76ers Podcast Network. Welcome in, 76ers Pod Peeps. It is just about time. There is so much to get to on this big season preview edition of the broadcast. Opening night is Wednesday at the center against the Washington Wizards. Lauren Rosen and I will get to that a little bit later on. But first, I wanted to start with a conversation with a guy on whom a very large part of the franchise's fate hinges. Don't worry, his shoulders certainly are big enough. He wouldn't want you to feel sorry for him because of the burden he bears. And after an offseason that saw Joel Embiid become a dad and get a new head coach and president of basketball operations, our interview naturally began by talking about the notion of change and whether or not Joe is actually feeling much of it. Not really. I mean, I just, I'm still the same. Uh, You know, I've always been family type of guy, uh, family oriented. Uh, so I'm still the same, and you know, having uh, a new addition, uh, I mean, kind of changed a little bit in me. Um, but I'm st- I'm still the same, man. I'm excited to be, you know, a new dad, and you know, be able to raise a kid, and uh, so and go from there. Because I'm a dad myself, I gotta ask you some dad questions. I can't remember the first two and a half months of my twins' life. I can barely remember the first two and a half years of their life. What's it been like for you? It's been great. Uh, it's actually it's funny um, because every time we go uh, the doctor sees him, uh, like he just like she's just so impressed of uh, like I well he's doing as far as the stuff that he's doing already at at his age. Um, how advanced he is, uh, so that's pretty good. Like I just, I love when he just, you know, just looks at me and just starts laughing. And uh, so, I mean, it's it's been amazing just spending a lot of time with him. And yeah, have you been able to see any personality traits develop so far? Have you gotten any smiles? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's been that's that's the whole thing. Like even the doctor was saying. Uh, I mean, it's only 11 weeks, and he's been smiling for the past five weeks, basically, like just like smiling nonstop, and you know, screaming all over the place, and which is which is pretty crazy. 
you have any good stories so far? I look back at pictures. My kids puked on my head. They went to the bathroom on me. Any happy disaster stories that you can share with us? No, he's been uh, an amazing kid. He's been doing great. It's tremendous. You know, it's obviously hard to ignore the connection between New Life and Arthur, your son, and Arthur, your brother. How far along did you feel like you wanted to honor your brother that way? I mean, did you know in advance that you were having a boy or a girl? And when did you start thinking about honoring your brother's legacy in that way? Um, it meant a lot uh, for me and my family. Um, obviously, losing my little brother the way um, we did was very tough um, on me. And, uh, you know, I almost quit basketball um, because I heard I was. And also uh, for my mom, uh, she's been dealing with this since then. Um, it's been very tough on her. So uh, giving my son that name was huge. Uh, and uh, it didn't help her get over it, but it also kind of helped her relax a little bit more and just be more open to life again um, but uh, it meant a lot and uh, I'm glad I did it. I was going to ask you about that because this obviously isn't the first time you've done something to recognize Arthur. I mean there's the Angels Foundation in Cameroon if I'm not mistaken and the court I think this time a year ago that you opened in the Frankfurt section of the city. I, I know no one gets over anything but does it help you cope a little bit more and keep the thought of him present? Um it's the, I mean, it's stay hard, uh, but uh, that's why all the stuff that have been done in his name have happened uh, because, you know, you try to, you know, um, being so young and have you hadn't done anything in life, you try to, you know, just carry his name and his legacy um, for as long as you can. Uh, as long as I'm in this planet, I'm still going to do the same thing and you use that to also help a lot of people uh, in needs. Uh, and that's what we've been doing with the foundation and, you know, the court that we open here in his name and, you know, my little bro uh, my son. Uh, and then there's a few other stuff that my parents do back in Cameroon as far as our charity and donations and stuff like that. There's obviously been dramatic change with the Sixers as we shift the conversation to basketball. Can you walk me through the timeline of your reaction to the coaching change and Doc Rivers, a championship winner, getting hired by you guys? Uh, it was, uh, man, I have a lot of love for Coach Brown. Uh, and, you know, we've been here for a long time, and I was, I was sad. Uh, to lose him because, uh, you know, I cared a lot about him. Uh, and then, but uh, perhaps, you know, kudos to the owners uh, for also, you know, going out and hiring guys like Dale Moy, who I think is the best um, in this job, at, at his job, uh, in this league. Uh, and, you know, just talking to him, he's a very, very smart guy. I did. Uh, we can talk about anything, and that's what we do. We just talk about anything. We talk about more stuff than actual basketball, just more life stuff, and that's what I like. Uh, and just like you, when you talk to somebody and not just focus on basketball and you're able to talk about life, uh, that's how our relationship has been. And then coach, adding coach who has won a championship, I think 
uh, I thought was great too. Uh, I think he's going to be a great leader and uh, he's going to try to push us every day uh, to be better. Can you take me inside some of the meetings that you and Doc and Ben have had together? That's something that Ben Simmons talked about. What are certain things that you guys have been looking at, discussing to get on the same page for the start of the season? Uh, we've just been talking about, you know, uh, we got to, you know, be accountable uh, towards each other and the whole organization. Uh, we just got to take on that role and just uh, – be better than what uh, than we've been in the past, and just lead uh, lead by example, especially, and just doing the right things and just dominate together. Uh, go back to what we used to do uh, two or three years ago. Uh, you know, just play together, dominate together, have fun. The game was very fun two or three years ago. Uh, just moving the ball, sharing the ball, everybody's happy. Uh, so we just got to get back to that, and that's what we've been talking about. Along those lines, I feel like you've been putting in, and I know that you have because you've talked about it, a ton of work over the off season. But it seems like for guys in professional sports, some of the success with a coach is like, well, how can you elevate my game? How can you help me evolve and develop? Are there certain things that you're hoping a new staff, a new set of eyes, new sets of minds can help do to bring your game to an even higher level that it's been at so far? Um, I mean, the only thing I want them to be is, uh, you know, I just want, I just want everybody to be open um, about anything really. Um, because I feel like I can help, you know, this organization in so many other ways other than just be a postal player. And I'm sure they've seen it, uh, just playing against me or just being here the past couple of days, uh, just about how much I can do other than just posting up. And, you know, I can be used as a playmaker. I can be used as a screener. I can can do everything. I can pick and pop. I can handle the ball. I can, you know, just set up my teammates. So there's a bunch of stuff I can do when I want to be used in that complete role. You've talked about the responsibility you feel for this city. How often do you think, because I know you talk about a championship, but when you think about what that could mean for the city, do you have certain visions in your mind, like dream about what it would look like, going down Broad Street, hopefully the world's in a place where we can all be around each other. Are those types of visions that you have? Yeah, I I have a vision about being like, uh, just like, just at the parade and, you know, just talking and giving a speech and all that stuff. But uh, now I just dream about, you know, just having a lot of fun, acting crazy uh, at the parade and, and all that stuff. And uh, that's why it's like it's so important to me, uh, and then also just being here, starting the family here and being here for a long time and wanting to finish here. Um, so, yeah, that's why I want to make it happen so much. Go get him, Joe. Thanks so much. Thank you, Joe Allen Bead, ready to rock for the 2020-2021 season. Before I bring on Lauren Rosen to continue our big season preview, just a quick 76ers Podcast Network PSA. If you like what you're hearing and you are not yet a subscriber or follower of ours, please do consider changing that. And if you're listening on Apple, give us a rating. 
We ask, we grovel, we plead. It helps us get discovered. Selfishly, we would love for more of that to be happening. Also, want to give a shout-out to Danny Green, New 76er, and our man Harrison Sanford, and their excellent podcast, Inside the Green Room. Search Inside the Green Room wherever you get your pods to listen to new episodes every week. And a reminder that coming up on the 76ers Podcast Network this week on Coat Check, which will premiere on Tuesday, December the 22nd, Matt Murphy of the Blue Coats speaks with Jameer Nelson, who's now going to be the assistant general manager for the Coats, as well as a scout for the 76ers. So that's coming up on Coat Check. The episode drops on Tuesday, December 22nd. My Sixers coverage partner in crime, of course, is none other than Lauren Rosen, pumped to go on a podcasting journey throughout the season with her. Lauren joins us now, and I don't know about you, Lauren, but I feel like this season, maybe it's just the 2020 effect, but I feel like this season has been going on for years, that it's never really stopped. I completely agree. I don't think there was an off-season. Like You can try to tell me that there was, but when I look back on my calendar, I, I just can't find it. No, especially for the last four weeks since the draft, it's just been at such a rapid nonstop pace. Fun pace, exciting pace, but it's incredible that amidst everything else that's happened, draft, free agency, preseason that was you know took place two games in four days, that the games are here and they're about to count, which excites me. It's exciting, but it's a lot. And I think that the 76ers themselves would agree. I mean, two of them were in the bubble far longer than the rest of them because they won a championship. And then they had to move across the country. Then we have rookies that got drafted a couple weeks ago and they're already wearing uniforms on the court at the center. Like it's been a whirlwind for us, but let's acknowledge that it's been maybe a bigger whirlwind for them. This whole thing is just like, I've said this the entire hiatus, but it's really hard to wrap your head around. In a traditional world, I would feel like at this point I would add a big megaphone effect to my voice where I say, and now it's time for the big season preview. And I'm not trying to diminish what we saw in the two preseason games or what's been said and done at the training complex the last couple weeks, but I think the reason why I'm not adding that big megaphone booming effect to my voice is because I'm, I'm kind of in a wait-and-see mode, i got to be honest. Like I, I just don't know how much stock you can place in the two preseason games. And in a cool way, in a different way, like we just got to see. It might be a couple weeks. It might, it might be a month. It might be longer. I don't know. Well, the good news is if you want to put stock into two preseason games, we saw a lot of good. Obviously, the second one in Indiana, there was some sloppiness, but there was some rallying. There was great stuff from the bench. So if you want to put stock into either of those games, you can certainly find good there. But I agree with you. It's all way too soon to really make any definitive declarations or predictions, at least for me, about what this group is going to look like. Like I said, there was a lot of good there, but there is a lot that remains to be seen. I agree with you. I think it, it definitely warrants getting into what we did see, and it's just, I guess maybe more, it's it's not so much as what to make of it, it's how much is going to actually translate, because some good came late in games when only reserves played, some good came when other teams didn't have their top guys, or even the Sixers didn't have their top guys, but for me, and I was talking about this on the radio with Devon Givens after the game on Friday, personally, I went into the preseason feeling a lot of positivity and great vibes coming from the Sixers, and there was nothing 
absolutely nothing during those two games that made me feel any different. Like I'm coming out of the preseason with hope, with optimism. Um, I, I think that the main guys who have a body of work over time, who you kind of know what they're about, showed you some great stuff, talking about a lot of veterans, members of the starting five. And then for some players who you might want to see have a bounce back year, insert Mike Scott, might want to have a build upon good they did last year, insert Furkan Korkmaz, guys who you didn't know anything about, rookies, Tyrese Maxey, hello. Those were areas where I was like, now if they can continue to build, we're going to be in a really good spot. And look, we're not usually the two to talk about struggles, but where the team faltered, there are reasons for chemistry not being fully there for a group of people that met each other a couple weeks ago, guys coming back from injuries, guys that have never worked in a system that looks like this system. So I think considering the stuff that we saw that might have been a little bit harder to swallow, those are things that can be built built upon and, and errors that can be addressed rather quickly, I think, in a lot of situations. So I agree with you. I think everybody sort of has, if there's a positive narrative there for everybody if, if you want to if you want to find it. Um, and I, I'm really excited about what this group is going to look like, because like you said at the very beginning, we have no idea really yet what the team looks like and how good they can be. It seems like going into this year, and I'm still trying to wrap my mind exactly how to interpret some of what Doc Rivers has been saying. I know that he wants defense to be the bread and butter of this team, but it's been interesting to me that he's been talking about the offense a lot. I think he knows what the defensive potential is. But the challenge for him, it's not saying offense is more important, but he feels perhaps the biggest growth area of this team could be on the offensive side, where if they play defense like how they've done in the past, amped up a little bit more, combined with some real offensive tweaks and improvements, that's where this team can get to the next level. Well, I also think when you think about defense, there are a lot of established defenders on this team. There are guys on this team, whether or not they've played together before, Danny Green, who are really, really good defenders, and we know they have it, and we know that that's a skill that they can turn up, and, and that's across the roster. There are a lot of really strong defenders on this team. I agree with you. It seems like Doc is focused more on offense right now, but that's because maybe there's more to build there, and there's more to learn there, and there's more intricacy on that end of the floor that this group hasn't – they're going to have to play a totally new way. It's a totally new roster. The, the, the options are totally different. So I understand the need to put a little bit more emphasis on the offensive side when it comes to what there is still to learn. Whereas on defense, these are guys that know how to defend and it's going to be about how much they engage there and how intense they can be for a full 48 minutes. One thing that we know coming into this year, the Sixers wanted to enhance spacing. And I felt that in the two preseason games, we saw examples of that with a couple different lineups. Opportunities were there. Shots might not have always gone down, but I think for me that's how I kind of look at the the preseason too is um, are there indicators, are there signs where in a perfect world and the team spends more time together and plays more games, like the uh, the foundations there for, for things to actually come together um, and be executed upon. Well, you, talk of, you mentioned spacing, and, and to me that's just shooting, right? And there's so many shooting options now in both units. I know we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but – the idea that there's a whole first unit and a whole second unit that can play together separately and have great options in both units. I mean, that's not something that depth wise, that's not something we've seen, at least in my time with the Sixers. So I'm excited about how the spacing looks on the first unit and on the second unit and how all those shooters are going to be able to interact 
with a Joel Embiid, with a Dwight Howard, with a Ben Simmons, because I think it's going to be really cool. And, and, and like you said, it already looks a little different. It feels a little different. Those options um, around the perimeter are, are making a difference already. As we dive a little bit deeper into what we know, what we might not know after two preseason games, getting regular for the rest of the season, um, what we do know, I'm pretty good with what I saw from the starters. Yeah, I feel you there, Self. The guys we've been watching for a long time look like themselves. Obviously, we didn't get quite as much Joel Embiid as we wanted to see. But what we saw was good. What we saw from Ben, he looked very good. Um, we know that Tobias can bring a certain skill set. We know the same with Danny and Seth, even though they haven't played for the Sixers before. It does feel like that's a unit where we are going to know what we can get, and a lot of them are going to continue to improve as they get to know each other better and as they gel better. No question about it. And specifically when it comes to Joel Embiid, only played about a half in the first preseason game, had the non-COVID illness in the preseason finale against the Pacers. I'm good with Joe. I'm great. He looked excellent in that first preseason game. And at this point, I do kind of trust that he knows what he has to do to get himself ready. Um, and I think in hearing Doc Rivers talking about him, he knows what he's going to get out of Joel Embiid. I think the Doc Rivers-Joel Embiid relationship is really something to watch because the way that Doc talks about how good Joel can be, it, it feels like they've already really developed something. And, and we saw it in the preseason games. We've seen it in some of the practice videos. But the two of them are really talking and really communicating. And I, I am excited to see what Doc is able to add to Joel's game. Like you said, we only got one half out of him, but he did look really strong in that half. He looked in shape. He looked happy to be out there. And that's all we can ask for for Joel Embiid. What do we think as we take a look at two preseason games that clearly is not enough sample size, the ceiling for this group can be? I think I think there's a potential, um, and this is just based on, on the feels that I get, I think there's a potential for... A solid start. I just think it's one of those seasons where, like, I feel like the energy's good, and there's obviously a lot of factors um, that are making this year so different. But I could see in a perfect world how, you know, the team gets off to a nice start, has something to build upon real quickly. Well, you ask about ceiling, and that's something that I feel like I've asked at least at some point in the last few weeks almost every player on the roster, and they don't feel like there is a ceiling. They feel like this group has everything that it needs to go all the way. And I'm going to trust that. It seems like when they say it, they're saying it with conviction. They believe in themselves. They believe in the group. And I do think that the start could be really, really good, especially compared to other teams around the league years past or the Sixers. It feels like they have all the pieces and now it's about fitting them together properly and getting ready to go. And, and, and we'll see what happens. I'm excited. I am excited to see how they really look in real competition outside of preseason games. Because one of the things is, is we're talking about, oh, there's all these unprecedented factors at work against the Sixers, but <laughs> the same is also true for 29 other teams in the NBA. And I think that we can agree on this about the Sixers, and yeah, we, we view the world through glasses with red, white, and blue tint, but I think that you could ask objective observers about this as well. Even though there's a lot of newness with the Sixers, there is still talent, high-level talent all-star, all-league talent, and there's depth. And when you look at some of the early games on the Sixers' schedule, and again, I don't know how much sense it makes to start looking at things like this, you know, through the first two or three weeks, there are teams that have also undergone change in the offseason that I would think on paper aren't in quite the same position as talent as the Sixers are. That's just my opinion. 
I mean, when I look at the schedule, the way I'd say it is it seems like a beginning of the season that the team should capitalize on because of who they're going to face. These are teams that they can it, 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 they can afford to have a couple errors or a slow start, but these are teams that they should be able to rather handily uh, find paths to victory. And something that you said in your in your response previously. Love that path to victory. We need to keep path to victory as part of our normal phraseology. Can't just be a November thing. No, I agree. <laughs> um, I, I love what you said about depth. I think that's something to watch with this team for sure. Um, I like the idea that they can play a whole first unit and a whole second unit. That's something that Doc has expressed his interest in doing. And when you look at that second unit, that's a second unit that did great against Indiana. That team outscored the Indiana bench. They outscored Indiana starters. They helped the Sixers rally to a victory. And that's a group that's not even finalized. There's competition to make it into that second unit. So the depth thing to me is really exciting because you know, even in regular season, there are people that are going to get hurt. There are people that are going to miss games and you need that depth. And this season, more than ever, I think depth is going to be really important because of all the intangible factors that you alluded to. Couldn't agree with you more. I think that, um, so I did the games on the radio for Tom McGinnis uh, in the preseason, and I'm the only one doing it. So in those situations, you end up talking to yourself a lot and creating these internal conversations. But the one consistent internal conversation that I had was looking at the team, the bench made me feel really, really good. I know Boston didn't have Kemba and Tristan, but even after those guys, I'm looking at their bench, and I'm like, I just, I don't, as of right now, I don't see it in the same way that I see it with the Sixers bench. I look at Indy's bench, didn't see it the same way. And these are two teams that are, you would presume, going to be right in the thick of things with the Sixers um, in the Eastern Conference. I think that if Mike Scott can build upon the preseason, Shake was fantastic, obviously. Dwight Howard is, I, I'm, I, am, I am so on on. Team Dwight right now, it's not even funny. Uh, or I should say Team Maury, Team Brand in the front office, forgetting him. Um, I think you start with those three guys, and then you look around um, and see where a Tyrese Maxey could fit in, a Matisse Thibel fits in, a Furkan Korkmaz. Like, I feel solid about this bench. I do. I think the bench could be a real weapon. I think the chemistry between Dwight Howard and Shake Milton is one of my favorite things that I've seen so far with this group and the way that they talk about each other too. We keep saying it. We haven't seen them play a ton. Everything is different this year. We don't have um, the ability to watch practice the way that we used to. We've only seen two preseason games, but what we've seen and what we've heard from those two specifically, the way they talk about each other, the way shake says he's learning from Dwight, the way that Dwight says that shake is this transcendent type guy. And then the chemistry that we've already seen between them on the court for two guys that just met a couple weeks ago, they are really feeling the vibes, and I am excited to see how they can lead that second unit together. Shake was great in the preseason, 34 points. That was by far the most on the Sixers. He shot over 54% overall, 5 of 11 from 3, 8 assists, 7 boards. Love it. He was terrific. Seems like there's this quiet, I'm going to prove it to you type confidence about our man Shake. Well, what's interesting about Shake is I think from his sort of breakout period in the spring, now, whatever, nine months ago, there's been all this conversation about is Shake the real deal? And time and time again, he is proving that he really is. And, and he's put in the work and now he's shown in multiple settings that he is able to do it. He took this weird off season and, and clearly got better. He says he's put on weight. 
he said his confidence is clearly also rising. So those things together, coupled with, like you said, this 34 point uh, team leading scoring wise performance throughout the preseason. I mean, he, Shake Milton is the real deal. We can stop asking that question. I'm with you. Two more things I wanted to get to before we wrap up our not so quite big preseason preview, but enthusiastic season preview. I think we can say it's an enthusiastic season preview. Tyrese Maxey. I don't know how it's going to come together, especially in the beginning. I do think he seems to have a demeanor about him where he's going to force the issue, not be deterred, and go confidently forward and try to assert himself and make sure that he can get minutes if they're there to be had. I think confidently is the key word there. This is not a guy that looks like he spent one year in college, had a condensed offseason, didn't play in summer league, moved straight here, had to miss time during training camp, all of those things. And he's still looking as good as he is. I'm excited to see how he looks in real NBA competition, maybe going up against team starting units as opposed to going up against reserves, which is, which is who he faced throughout most of the preseason. But like you said, he looks confident. He's smiling. He's happy to be here. And, and that's someone that you can't not root for. He's, he's been awesome, a pleasure to watch, a pleasure to talk to. And, and, and as is the rest of the city, we are all rooting for Tyrese Maxey. We'll end it on this. The Eastern Conference, Doc Rivers joked, he just seems to go where the tough conferences are. I would say a very balanced Eastern and Western conferences this year that could be very tough, especially in the Atlantic Division. Atlantic might be the toughest division in the league. Yeah, Pacific is probably right up there, too. But uh, Atlantic, <laughs> you've now got Brooklyn with KD and Kyrie, 2-0 in the preseason. That's something I definitely have my eye on. Uh, what Boston missing Gordon Hayward means. Miami, can they do it again? Atlanta, where are they going to be? Toronto's made some changes. The Knicks went 3-1 and in the preseason. What type of world do you expect to see in the Eastern Conference this year? Well, it's going to be a competitive world for sure. I agree with you. It seems like the conferences are sort of narrowing up when it comes to talent and teams that really could go all the way. I, I almost think that, yes, the West has this reputation for, for being better, but I think the East actually has more teams that could get it done, that could win a title this year. And I might be exposing myself now, but I am a constant consumer of basketball content. There are a lot of friends in the pod space that I listen to enthusiastically. And something that I've noticed as I've been consuming content over the last few weeks is the, the predictions that people have are all so different. Like there are so many teams that could win it all. There are so many teams that could go all the way that could surprise us. So I'm just excited for, for the parody that I think we're going to have all year long. It's not one of those seasons where you go in knowing who's going to come out of it. And I'm looking forward to that. The journey officially beginning for the 76ers Wednesday at the center against Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal and the Washington wizards looking forward, Lauren to, going on that journey step-by-step with you right here on the pod throughout the season. It's a journey. I'm looking forward to it too, Phil. Of course, you should be following Lauren on Twitter if you are not yet already, at Lauren M. Rosen. One more order of business before our big season preview edition of the broadcast is said and done. A few weeks back, not sure if you caught this, you might have seen us drop a video on our Sixers social channels promoting a new small business support initiative that the organization is taking up. Hey, I'm Thane. I'm the owner of Bauer Cafe here in Washington Square West. Coffee and cured meats. Our coffee is untampered, no frills, just delicious coffee. 
We're happy to collaborate with the Philadelphia 76ers in effort to support small businesses. We know everyone, but especially local businesses, those right here in our own backyard, have been hit hard by the pandemic over the last nine plus months. And the 76ers have been thinking about ways they can lean in, support, and help. And to shed some more light on that, I thought it would be good to talk briefly with 76ers team president, Chris Heck. Chris, we know the past nine and a half months have been unlike anything anyone has ever experienced. It's nice, I think, to see NBA basketball being played again. But specifically, I wanted to ask you, how are the 76ers trying to help people, businesses in their own backyard with the new season getting underway? Yeah, thanks, Brian. I, I, uh, I think we have a real opportunity in front of us um, to support uh, our local small businesses. And I think it's uh, a really critical time to do so. Uh, so we have um, partnered up uh, for the first half of the season with 36 different small businesses. And each one of those small businesses will, uh, will launch um, the tune-in uh, details on game day uh, through our social media platforms. So uh, what that means is that they basically will tell everybody how to tune in uh, to watch our games, um, how to tune in to listen to our games, and also um, when to do so. Um, and on top of that, um, and this is the, the really fun part, uh, it seems to be a, a very much a, uh, um, a passionate uh, cry for what uniforms we wear on a particular night. And they get to do, uh, uh, launch that as well. Um, and, and share with everybody their own message uh, to the community on how their business can be supported. Uh, so we're going to do that in front of uh, every single game day. And um, we're going to give everyone that platform, these small businesses, uh, the platform uh, to share their great products uh, with our community. I'll be honest. The rollout on social was fantastic. The video was so awesome seeing some of the places you go to shop, eat, do whatever else being featured in line with the 76ers and the excitement building for the start of this season. Have you heard any response from some of these businesses through people that either work in our organization or talking to some of these businesses directly? Yeah, I mean, listen, that's how we got the 36 businesses on board they're all in our community, right? So we may live down the street from them and we may be neighbors with somebody that manages a, a store or we may uh, have a family member uh, that works there and um, or owns uh, a property. And um, so we reached out to our, our staff and we put together a little committee um, on this project and uh, gave, every, gave everyone an opportunity to to nominate someone that they're close with or that they're familiar with. And, um, and so within 24 hours, we had all the slots filled up. And uh, the, the real hope is to continue this, um, not to finish it uh, when the first half of the season ends in March, uh, but also to do it in the second half too, if it's effective. And we think it will be effective. I've been with the team. I think this is going to be my sixth season. And I always know that serving the community, the region has always been at the forefront, whether it was through things like Project 76, 76 hours of community service. But I also can't think 
and I'm sure many people would be hard-pressed to find a time looking back over the last nine months, a set of circumstances that brings more to the focus the importance of a brand, a company, an organization, a member of the community to try and use their platform to lift others up. And I mean, that seems to be the the spirit that's been driving all this. Yeah, I think if anything in uh, COVID has taught us um, at the Sixers is that we do have a great platform and uh, we all should use it for good. And so um, that is a very much uh, a part of our DNA. And, um, and it's not just uh, at certain levels, but everyone in the organization. Um, you know, um, Sean Spencer, he runs our content department. This was his idea. Uh, his original idea, and he wanted to do it for opening night, and then it expanded to the entire season. And, um, you know, you throw in uh, Maggie Zerby and Alex and Nick McCain. Um, these these people are artists, and they're uh, at their craft, and their craft is, is storytelling and capturing um, this uh, beautiful city um in social media and giving it to the world and so um you know we we like to we like to jump on um projects that we're already pretty good in that space and um and we also like to do things that just click and just resonate uh within our group because we do have uh people from all walks of life um, in our in our staff and and it's nice to hear from everybody because everybody is contributing. Before we wrap up, one more thing I wanted to ask you about. I was lucky enough to be part of the group that was in the house for the 76ers' first game of any kind played at the center since March 11th when they hosted the Celtics for the preseason game. One of the most interesting quotes I heard after the game was not Doc Rivers talking about pick and roll between Shake Milton and Dwight Howard or Joel Embiid dominating the first half or Tobias Harris getting a near double-double. It was him shouting out the game ops. We're talking about the Derek Hayes, the Ryan Colettis. Yeah. The- I heard it too. Um, you know, I was in there with you. Even though we were so isolated, uh, I didn't get a chance to talk. First of all, watching the game was awesome. It was great to be there. It just felt good because – you had our home court down and, and our, you know, look and feel. And, um, but there was obvious this gigantic void of having the best home court advantage in the entire uh, NBA where we've sold out 124 straight games, but our fans, our fans are so um, authentic and loud and supportive when it's uh, when the effort is there and uh and 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 certainly have a presence like no other and that was missed but it was also a little bit maddening like sitting there there's no one to talk to right so you 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 realize what a community type environment it is at a sporting event not just at the sixers but any sporting event and so like that that kind of was a tough hit um but that's why we're putting on a a live entertainment show um, inside the very socially distant uh, uh, center uh, where our games are played. And, and I think that a little nod to our fans um, that we want to be 
um, lively and active with the very few people that we can have in the arena right now. So it's just a nod back to our fans. Uh, but I, to roundabout uh, answer to your question, I heard Doc say the same thing. He has not met Derek Hayes yet. Um, but it wasn't just Derek who orchestrates this. Uh, Matt Cord, his delivery was just exceptional. He was really great to hear his voice again. It was Christian Crosby. He always brings back um, a positive vibe and a great smile. And even though you couldn't see it behind his mask. Um, you know, we had the, the entertainment team out there. It was just a really nice effort, even though we can't have our true home court. Agreed. And whether it was things like free throw distractions, ringing the bell, chants, we know that's all going to be a part of the game day environment at the center. The, re- the Wendy's Frosty Freeze out will be back. I, I will tell you that. Uh, it's going to look a little different. We're still working out the kinks, but uh, so uh, that'll be fun. Love it. Kudos to you, Chris, and the staff for coming up with all these creative ways to simulate as much of a South Philly field of games at the center as possible, and also for leaning in to help small businesses in the Philadelphia area. Chris Heck, always great speaking with you. Happy start to the season, man. All right. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate what you do. Awesome local business support initiative being rallied by the 76ers. Be sure to look at our social feeds every game day for more information about how you can help thank you to chris lauren rosen joelle Embiid for joining the pod thank you for listening have a great holiday if you have not yet already celebrated and be on the lookout next week monday we're gonna have an announcement here on the podcast i'm brian seltzer talk to you next time see you